My name's Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm with a very interesting person called Jerry Williams, who I've known for a number of years and just really came into contact with Jerry in more recent times. But I have to be very careful with this interview because Jerry is a reporter, was in TV for a number of years, and there are is the chance that she'll start interviewing me rather than me interviewing her. So welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Stephen. It is odd to be on this side of the uh, microphone. Jerry, for people who don't know you, um, you were born in Penang and your father had a great passion for architecture. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, he loved uh, what is now known as mid-century and, of course, was then contemporary architecture and design. And uh, he didn't have a lot of access to the actual physical uh, objects. Uh, we did have a, a, a 1950s house. Uh, in Penang. In Penang. And he filled it with, uh, you know, some furniture that uh, was available that was contemporary, but then you know other other pieces he made himself, mm. and uh, he loved working with his hands. And he, you know, we had the uh, amoeba-shaped coffee tables and the boomerang tables, and you know the funky chairs and all that sort of thing. So, I just grew up surrounded in a mm. in an absolutely joyful, joyous mm. household. Jerry, do you think that was the catalyst for your interest in design? I'm pretty certain it is. Some Somewhere that gene was passed on and uh, I think I think subconsciously, well I suppose it's just inevitable isn't it? When you yeah. grow up in a, in a home like that, you realise how much good design and architecture later on even if you're not conscious of it at the time is such a, a, a joyous part of life. Jerry, you're, uh, you've worked in television for many years, you've produced... Um, but you started out, uh, you went to Queensland University and you studied arts. Mm-hmm. Why arts? Was it just something you were looking for direction or you didn't know exactly what you were going to do? I suppose I grew up in those days where, you know, arts degrees were still considered uh, to be not useless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were, you know, a, 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 a liberal arts education was considered to be, it was still valued. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really loved uh, literature, which is my major, English lit- literature, uh, and also did fine arts and, you know, history and various things like that. Uh, I just enjoyed it. I went, I didn't go straight from school. Mm-hmm. I had a few years in between. A couple of years, and then um, I just really loved it. I loved mm-hmm. the study. I loved just the you know absorbing all the knowledge, reading all the mm-hmm. the wonderful you know books. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was it was fun. It and really was. Th- and then you went to uh, Cairns t- in t- TV journalism. Yes. How did that start? Well, I didn't have a a particular goal, if you like. Although I did uh, when I was at uni. Although I did always had a you know always had an inkling that I. I always had a leaning towards journalism. And uh, while I was at uni, I I started writing some reviews uh, for a local paper on um, uh, theatre and film. And uh, then, to cut a long story short, I ran away from my first husband and ran up to Cairns and (laughs) with $100 in my pocket and my dog and um, needed a job desperately. So I did the circuit, which was all of, you know, two radio stations, uh, the Cairns Post and uh, the the local television station who happened to be looking for a journalist. And I said, yes, left my articles there and uh, got the job. I was really fortunate. And it was some of the 
I think a few of the best years of my life there, actually. In what way? Well, it was fun, and it was really, really interesting because at those days you didn't have um, all these stringers and you didn't have, you know, um, national... Well, you did have national networks, I mean, but no one covered... Yeah, no one covered... North, far north Queensland. So, of course, we fed news to all the, uh, you know, the major networks. If there was a, they love shark attacks, crocodile attacks, uh, you know, something going on in the Barrier Reef. <laughs> and then, of course, that was the time when, as the early 80s, when the Daintree Road, the road went through the Daintree, and that was a really big conservation issue. Um, so there was lots to write about. There was lots to... Yes, to uh, report on. And, uh, and you know, I was always in choppers and seaplanes and flying all over the north, far north, which was, you know, the last frontier then in those days. So, Jerry, how did you come to work with the ABC TV Arts? Uh, well, I suppose, uh, again, like most things in my life, fell into <laughs> it. And I've always loved, I've always had, uh, arts has always been my passion, the visual arts. And uh, since, you know, uh, uni days, and um, I was reporting for a long time with the ABC and with SBS on their news and current affairs, and then moved across to television producing on what they call you know, feature programs mm-hmm. in those days, and uh, yeah, and arts programs. I think the first one was with SBS at an arts program, and I went on to that and loved it, and then went on to the ABC. I mean, I freelanced all my life so mm. it was a matter of just you know when Your job uh, came up job, jobs were around and you know you you were approached i suppose jerry one of the programs you did for the abc probably in the late 90s was a wonderful program called nest yes i actually did that for sbs oh, and sorry. it was something i um i uh, devised i created and uh, and i was thrilled when they actually took it up what was the idea uh, the idea was that people we, we looked at people and we talked, went into homes of people who expressed their individuality themselves through their homes. So we went into the most extraordinary places. You know, I remember one in particular in Petersham in Sydney, because I was living in Sydney in those days, um, where it was, it was actually totally bizarre. It was crammed. We love the bizarre. Oh, it was absolutely, you'd <laughs> love this. It was crammed top to toe with uh, antiquities. But the the gen, the genuine thing and the owner had never ever traveled and had been in a, a very ordinary sort of a job i think he might have even been an accountant or something like that you know the most prosaic mm. of professions probably mm. and he was on a bus in sydney one day many many years ago and he passed the, the bus went by an antique shop he looked in the window fell in love with this Ormolu um, thingy, um, mm. what do you call it, dresser, sorry, and uh, thought, I must have it, I must have it. And he went in, anyway, cut a long story short, he spent all his money buying this sort of mm. beautiful, you know, 18th century furniture. And <clears throat> when mm. I say antiquities, they're, mm. of course, you know, mm. yeah, not, not mm. really the, the old, the genuine thing. But he'd never travelled in his life, but he said that this really was his way of travelling. To see into the past. To see into the past. And I found that really fascinating. And just the fact that he's... we just I just loved the fact that I went into homes, and this is what I wanted to celebrate in the program, that you could have a home that wasn't cookie cutter, that didn't come out of a design magazine, that didn't come out of, you know, what somebody told you was the trend or the must-have this season. And these people were just so unabashed about... 
you know, expressing themselves in the most bizarre ways that I just loved it. I found it a, a really great celebration of uh, individuality and creativity. Jerry, there was a magazine at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, called, called Nest, Nest, and I think yes. it came out around that time. Yes, it did, yes. And I also thought it was a wonderful magazine. Well, I thought it was a wonderful because it was so quirky yes. and individual. It wasn't stylized. It was how people live. I actually had the name, I, I got the name Nest from the back of a dinner plate I had at the time. But coincidentally, I then uh, found Nest, the magazine, magazine, and I thought, yes, it had exactly the aesthetic that I was hoping to... Do you uh, think, Jerry? do you think we're going back to that feel in homes, that we've become sick of the cookie cutter and tired of those reality makeover shows and people are starting to look for something? I think, Stephen, when you say we, you're talking probably about a... A very, very small percentage of people. You and I? <laughs> I think it's a little bit more than you and I. But, uh, but yes, I don't think... I think we are, yes. Anybody, I think, is really, you know, follows design and is interested. I mean, is engaged, I should say, not follows, but is engaged in the ideas and things of the design world. Uh, um, Do you think that feel is getting stronger, that yes, kind of eclectic? Yeah. I think the more we're bombarded with, uh, you know... Rubbishy shows. Yes, and, Did I say that? And <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just bitter because you got turned down as a judge on the block, I believe. Is that right? <laughs> I think that's probably part of the problem. But no, I didn't audition, Jerry. I just frustrated the 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 lack of discussion on television generally. And when you have shows like Nest, why didn't Nest kind of keep going? I think it was probably too quirky for people. Um, I think it, you know, for SBS, it rated reasonably well, mm. and it was. Look, we we did seven episodes, and it's not enough. But by the, mm. I think probably by the sixth or seventh, we were starting to get a following, and mm. there were, you know, people writing in um, to say, "Look, we love this show. Mm. You know, why why don't we have more, etc., etc., etc." The aficionados, you know. Now, the Jerry, weirdos of this world, like you and me, Steve. Well, I kind of think they're normal, inverted commas. So, um, <laughs> Jerry, you're now um, curating and directing at a very interesting gallery in Malvern, in Glenferry Road, Malvern, called Sagra. Mm-hmm. And a uh, very interesting story. How did that come about? Basically, my colleague and co curator, Philip Doggett Williams, no relation, mm. um, was is an artist, and the owner bought one of his works, and at the time he was, uh, you know, he he was creating uh, Sagra, and uh, approached Philip and asked him if he would be interested in creating a gallery there, and then Philip brought me on board, and mm. so between the two of us, again something I fell into, you know, mm. those things. And uh, how would you describe Sagra for people who don't who haven't been there? So the concept of Sagra is to integrate fantastic food, fantastic art, and and uh, a convivial atmosphere. So it's got a it's got a big open kitchen. It's got a fantastic restaurant that serves modern Italian. Um, it's not fine dining, but it's very good dining. It's very it's beautiful food. It's 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 meant to be a hub. It's meant to be a hub, so a you go there, hub. a cultural hub, yeah. And the gallery is on the f- level one, 
So we actually, the open, there's an open middle, the middle of it's open to the restaurant kitchen below, the open kitchen below, which makes it fun. So it gives it a bit of a buzzy atmosphere, mm-hmm. which I like because one of the things Philip and I were really anxious to do was not create a gallery that was the holy of holies that people were intimidated so people can have lunch, they can walk Wander up to up. the gallery, yes. they can go to a function room, they yes. can sit on the terrace. Yes. Is that? And I think you said uh, in a story I did that there were a group of women who spent 10 hours at Sagra. Yes, that's right. Yes, they come for lunch, then they go and come and look at the gallery, and then they go up to the bar, and then they go down for dinner. <laughs> come down to the gallery again on the way down. And, Jerry, how did, how's art selected? Because it is a very... An interesting era, and I've always been fascinated by what makes what makes uh, what makes a gallery, you know, steer towards certain artists. What do you look for in in art? Because it's very difficult. There's so many great artists out there, and Sagra represents a number of really fine artists. Yes, Philip has great contacts with them. I, I mean, because I spent most of my life in Sydney, I'm relatively new to the Melbourne scene. Um, but uh, he has great connections being an artist and growing up with all these wonderful artists. And, you know, he's very hooked into the art network here. Mm. I am to some extent with the, you know, galleries and from the other point of view, from a, a producer point of view. Yes. And uh, I, mm, it's a tricky one, that one, because we, we're learning as we're going. It's the first time either of us have really run a, a you know, a, a big gallery like this. Um but, we do like to have artists there that are, um, let's say, that, that have, we do like to maintain a standard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, given our uh, local audience is very eclectic and we have to cater for them, we also have to have art that is accessible. Mm-hmm. So that's the trick at the moment is mixing, you know, things that are a little bit more accessible with the high end stuff. So, you know, you li- like to think that eventually, if it, you know, you'd like to think it'll go long enough that people will eventually go on the journey that I went when I first started looking at art and many years ago. Jerry, there is a bit of post-war design in the mix, isn't there? There is. We also have the exclusive license, Australian license for race furniture, and that's a capital R-A-C-E, and it's, it's furniture that was designed by Ernest Race between 1945 and 1962. Mm-hmm. And it did one, win the uh, uh, Salon del Mobile uh, in the 50s. Uh, it was, he was commissioned to do outdoor all the outdoor furniture for the 1951 Festival of Britain. And it's furniture that's iconic in the sense that it's collected, it's represented in the Victoria and Albert Museum mm-hmm. and in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. So he died, Ernest Race died in 1965, and his company continued uh, doing other things. But about three years ago, they reissued all these designs as the classic collection. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very interesting because it's still made in the little old factory at, in the Cotswolds in the UK, mm-hmm. and all the moles are original, and it, the, all the chairs are still upholstered by hand, mm-hmm. and I believe even by some of the original people. <laughs> well, some of the mm-hmm. people who upholstered them the first time round. So it's quite fascinating. Jerry, you've had such a, a varied life, even though it is all related to the arts. Uh, it must be, you know, the idea of, it is still a journey for you. You don't know what's around the corner. No. Things seem to just drop into your lap. And what gives you the most pleasure? 
That's an interesting question. Uh, Is it someone buying a piece of work? Well, at the moment, I think, yes, if somebody buys a piece of work that is extremely, you know, rewarding. I think what I find the most rewarding is when we've had a couple of younger people come in, relatively younger, younger than me anyway, come in and they're they're novices, you know, they're art novices. And you'll talk to them about the art and about this particular person or that particular work, etc., etc. And they, you can see them becoming switched so, on. So it's educating. And that's fantastic. I find that really rewarding. I had a wonderful mentor years ago when I first went into my first gallery, commercial gallery, I should say, uh, in Ray Hughes, who owns in Sydney. In Sydney, and uh, but I went to his uh, one of his original galleries in Brisbane when I was at university there, and there was when Brisbane was a cultural wasteland, and I came across his gallery and I just thought, oh. God, thank God for this place. Mm. And he said, come in, come in. You don't have to come in as often as you like. You don't have to buy. And I did. I went there for a year and then, of course, fell in love with my first work of art and bought it and never looked back. But I just loved his passion and enthusiasm and his incredible knowledge, uh, you know, introduced me to what I find, what, what has become a lifelong passion. And I found it so enriching that, I really hope that I can pass that on to, you know, people who come into Sagra Gallery. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on the program today. It's been a treat. I'm glad I didn't become the subject. (laughs) (laughs) It probably would have been far more interesting, Stephen. Maybe down the track, but um, it's really been a pleasure talking to you. It's been wonderful talking to you too, Stephen. You've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.